Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my brother, my dear friend, Mr. Jason Gaynard. So, ah, man, I feel so grateful that all of you get to experience Jason in the way that you do in this episode. When I... First met Jason, we, well, one, he's the founder of a community called Mastermind Talks, which is a mastermind, an organization, a community that brings together entrepreneurs, creators, visionaries, and people from all walks of life that are here to do good in the world, build great businesses, and and make a meaningful impact. And I wanted to bring him on the show mostly. I was at one of his events uh, earlier in the year. And I saw this man give a speech from stage where he just poured his heart out. I mean, he he allowed himself to be seen and vulnerable and he led with that vulnerability. And it inspired me so much because I just feel like that's what the world needs more of. We need more leaders truly actually allowing themselves to be seen in their struggles, in their mistakes, in their hardships to inspire the courage for all of us to go there. Because when we go there and we give ourselves the permission to be seen in our vulnerability, it creates great healing. It activates self-love and this journey to enoughness. And I love this conversation, one, because Jason's just such a good-hearted human being. You can feel his heart in the way he talks about his dynamic with his daughter, the way that he values his friendships and his relationships, his own dedication to doing the inner work. I loved how he he brought this phrase out around turning his tormentors into his mentors, which is something I truly believe in myself. We talked a lot about how to use business as a canvas and 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 truly actually infuse your art and your purpose and your passion into what you do how to break the pattern of being hard on yourself, or at least how we're currently navigating those struggles and hardships and so much more. I adore this human being. It was one of my favorite conversations I've had on the show in the last year. And you can just really feel Jason's heart and really feel how much he cares. And I hope it inspires you to care. I hope it inspires you to access deeper levels of vulnerability. And I hope it inspires you to truly actually lean into your beingness and truly feel the enoughness that you already are. So enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, any of the podcast apps that you love listening to podcasts on. If anything we said on the show resonated for you, leave a review, let us know what stood out, and we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us the gift of your attention. And... um, yeah, that's it. So without further ado, here is my dear friend and my main man, Mr. Jason Gaynard. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my brother, Mr. Jason Gaynard. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And I, I don't want to derail this right so quickly. <laughs> But before you hit record, you actually took me through a little bit of a, a settling in and a breathing exercise of sorts, which I just need to like, I almost wish that was part of the recording because there's something so beautiful about that. We hop from Zoom calls to Zoom calls, meetings to meetings, interviews to interviews, whatever the case may be. I've never, ever, ever had somebody just say, let's stop. Let's set the intention for our time together and do it in such a beautiful way. So I got to honor that. Because I, I don't know if the listeners will have an opportunity to hear that, but that was uh, I appreciate that immensely. Mm. Well, I've learned so much from you, man. I mean, I you know, 
being at MMT in Palmetto Bluff, like I just seeing the care and the intention and the rawness that you embodied as a human, you know, really set the stage. I'm not going to let you not toot your own horn over here. Right? Like, you know, like, you know, what you see in me is what you're seeing yourself. Like it's a reflection. I mean, that is one of the most beautiful things I actually appreciate and love about you is, is how much vulnerability you bring. And, and, and it's almost like time slows down when you're being vulnerable, mm. right? Like, it's like, you're not in your head. Like when you yeah. drop into our hearts, whether it's through a breathing meditation or through just you sharing your heart, it slows down the room and it brings people back to themselves. And so I'd love to ask, like, is that something you learned or is that something that you've lived into over the years? Or how did you begin to embody that sort of state that you naturally carry into your, your friendships and relationships? Of presence and vulnerability? Yeah. Well, it's funny. So no, the quick answer is no. I leaned into... I dropped out of high school and leaned into business pretty aggressively and, and fell into the trap that most do of pursuing things, empty goals, financial and that kind of stuff. So a lot of that stage of my life was wearing different masks and different hats and that kind of stuff. So I definitely would not have considered myself to be someone who is vulnerable, one could say. In fact, about eight, about 10 years ago, somebody who's become a really one of my closest friends since we were actually texting this morning, we were in a group setting and she like straight up like called me out. She's like, I don't feel like I know you at all. And we were friends for a few years up until that point, just calling out that she didn't find me like vulnerable. And I was like, well, what do you want to know? Just ask the question and I'll answer like, honestly, but you know, vulnerability is just, it's so much more and it takes so much deep work because it was hard for me to be vulnerable because I didn't know myself, you know, 10 years ago. And I still don't feel like I know myself. I'm excited, you know, at the age of 37 to see what my 50 year old version is going to laugh at as far as what I feel like I had a grasp on. And I feel like, you know, I've made it, whatever the case may be from a personal mm -hmm. development perspective or from a, a knowing perspective. So it's a constant kind of evolution. But I mean, vulnerability to me is, is an expensive gift. And you shouldn't expect it from cheap people, <laughs> so to speak. It's a process. It takes a lot of work. And uh, yeah, I definitely don't feel like I'm, I'm there, so to speak. But in the container of the work that we do with, with MMT, Brene Brown is you know world-renowned for saying, if you want people to be vulnerable, you need to lead with vulnerability. So yeah. that has been my biggest... The biggest thing that has pushed me to continue to develop myself and have a better understanding of myself and just a general sense of awareness so that I can be that container for others. Because without vulnerability, I mean, connections are not formed. Real meaningful relationships and connections and deep conversation simply doesn't happen. So so yeah, I do it in service of the container. I also you know, do it in the service of my daughter. I mean, she's been one of my biggest drivers for personal growth and development. My wife as well. Um, she's been a huge driver for that. And selfishly, obviously, life is better when you can have deep and meaningful you know, connections and relationships. We hit record... And dude, just seeing your smile, seeing you pop up on, on Zoom <laughs> um, as a result of you being someone who leans into vulnerability and we just feed off of each other's vulnerability. And I wouldn't want to live another way. I mean, the quality of your life comes down to the quality of your relationships. And if you want good quality relationships, you you have to be able to embrace vulnerability and that uncertainty sometimes. Well, and I think there's so much leadership advice on doing more, on the doing, yeah. on on the things, the tactics, the tangible, but I feel like the being in leadership, the intangibles, the the shedding away of the walls, the ability to put yourself in somebody else's situation or shoes that is radically different from you. Like to me, that is the real edge, right? Like that is the edge that they don't teach in schools. It's not the edge. It's, it comes through you willing to be with what is in yourself. And it comes actually first with, being vulnerable with yourself, right? Like learning yeah. to accept yourself, learning to not judge your own mistakes, your own shortcomings and being able to hold the container for yourself. Cause I, to me, at least that's, what's allowed me to be more vulnerable. It's like when mm -hmm. I can just not kind of, when I can silence the critic around my own mistakes or when I can stop seeing myself as this person that needed to be this perfect leader or this perfect embodiment of it's when I when I break apart my egoic sort of 
idea of Raj and I come back to like the truth, like I'm here, I'm human. And this person over here is also here and they're human. And we're all having this human experience. There seems to be like an energetic resonance that's felt and an energetic connection that's made instead of a like the mental, like how does this person fit in my life? Or how does this thing fit in my life? It, it feels like a much bigger game that's oftentimes scary, which is yeah. why not a lot of people practice it. But I guess like from your own lived experiences, how are there specific practices or tools that you've been able to integrate into your life? It could be just even time with your daughter or leaning into your, like when you feel a difficult emotional, like when you feel a hard conversation coming up, like, like, are there things that you do to sort of lean in instead of, you know, kind of shy away and, and step over here? Yeah. Well, I appreciate the the point you made a little earlier around like leadership. I remember I was in Dubai over the winter and I walked by, we were at a resort and somebody had a book laying on their chair and it said how to act like a CEO. And I was like, there feels like all kinds of wrong <laughs> with that title. And that is, you know, being in a position of leadership is something that is incredibly, it's a gift and it's an honor. And it's something that, you know, I never thought I never woke up and wanted to be become in a position of leadership, but it's kind of happened organically and it's a huge responsibility. And I think there's a lot of folks that again look for checklists or look for best practices. The best leaders I know, you know, getting back to relationships, the best leaders I know have the best relationships, whether it's with their spouse, whether it's with their kids, whether it's with their teams. Oftentimes we don't see the link between relationships and business. They seem so far apart. But at the end of the day, like a hundred percent of your customers are are human. 100% of your team is human. If you have investors, yeah. they're human. If you don't understand humans, you don't understand business. And again, in order to really flourish when it comes to relationships, you need to do a lot of you know personal reflection and awareness and work. And for me, I mean, there's I've been you know investing rather heavily in uh, personal development, one could say, in different modalities since I was like 18. I went to a Tony Robbins event and then got hooked on Tony stuff for... I was 18. Yeah, 18 at that time. And then went from Tony Robbins to other different types of, you know, experts and gurus and and folks that I've followed. And I'm blessed to have a handful of... I'm both as a result of... You know, there's a saying from Jim Rohn that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And although I used to love sharing that quote, because it makes you very thoughtful as far as you know where you allocate your time. Sometimes it's... Uh, you can, you know, there's a saying that you can make your tormentors your mentors, right? Some, mm. of, some of the best learning opportunities or growth opportunities are as a result of of challenging relationships. 100%. And for me, you know, when I was I was really young, I shied away from challenging relationships with my parents and I just cut them out and moved on to that, you know, that way of living of just like only surrounding myself with people who are better or more successful or whatever I was trying to achieve. And I'm kind of dialing that back now at this age. But you know, for me, I have curated such a beautiful collection of of individuals that I'm able to consider as friends, as mentors, as guides. I always have that source of inspiration of like, there's people in my peer group who are incredibly dedicated parents or incredibly dedicated to using their business as a vehicle for impact or care deeply about their teams. So they, having them, you know, you know, in my peer group or just being in their proximity stretches me, inspires me because I hate being told what to do. I think that's probably the case for a lot of us, especially as, as entrepreneurs. That's, you know, one of the secret reasons why I chose entrepreneurship is I, I have a, a trigger around being told what to do to some degree, but I love being inspired. So I surround mm-hmm. myself with some truly inspiring people and I'm very, very grateful for that. And then I surround myself with people who are mirrors. My daughter is a mirror of of me, so to speak. There's a somebody shared early on because I had a, a lot of challenges being a father many years ago. The first couple of years were really, really challenging to adapt to. And um, somebody said, um, you know, the first individual like or first man that your daughter will fall in love with is you. Right, like you become that standard, you become that benchmark, and I was like, "Oh my god, that means I have a lot of work to do." (laughs) That's going to be the benchmark. I got some work to do, so I've had that, and I've had a beautiful relationship with my wife for over ten years, where we didn't start off on a good footing. We both grew up in environments where we didn't have great examples of of strong communication, so that's been like a huge learning 
you know, opportunity for us. And we've both done our personal work and we've been committed to that. And yeah, I mean, it's, um, she's been a mirror and a, and a great source of, of inspiration as well. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to like have this like ecosystem now, of both folks that inspire me and then folks that folks that have no problem, like holding up the mirror, so to speak, as far as the work I still need to do. Well, I love that you're leaning into those mirrors because oh, I sure. totally resonate, man. Like for a long time, like I had mirrors I did not want to look at. Yeah. You know, I, my, me and my dad's relationship for a while, like I, like I, I didn't want to go home and I didn't realize why unconsciously it's because I just didn't want to look at the aspects of myself that were getting triggered as a result of being in proximity with him. So it's like mm-hmm. my shit that was coming up that I didn't want to look at. Same thing in my last relationship. I was in a nine year relationship, constantly uh-huh. going to retreats and masterminds and traveling. Mm-hmm because I didn't want to be at home. And it wasn't until COVID where I was stuck with that most confronting mirror, you know, in lockdown where I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't look away now. It's like right there. It's just shining a giant light. And I love the idea of your tormentors becoming your mentors and having that in combination with people that inspire you. Because I think you need both in some ways, right? Like, if you're constantly just leaning into the tormentors, like, yes, you're in this beautiful cycle of growth. Yeah. But how do you replace that? Like with like the inspiration is how you actually create the life. That's your paintbrush. Those are the human beings that bring the art out of you. And you in particular, somebody I think that really leans into that. Like I, I'd love to even know, like, as you get inspired by others, how does that influence or how does that fuel your art in the world? Yeah, I mean, so I made a, a distinction a couple years ago, and it's something I've shared, and it's landed with a lot of different friends of mine. So I surround myself historically with those that are very business driven, business oriented. The label you would attach to them are entrepreneurs and and that kind of stuff. And um, I made this distinction a couple of years ago that I identify more as an artist, and business to me is simply a canvas. And the one thing I've, I've kind of noticed as just as far as like a natural tendency of a lot of friends of mine is as they get older, they start to reactivate creative sides of themselves that they've once lost. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And one of the, I think back honestly to an event we did, we had uh, on the evening, final evening of an event, there was this dance party that broke out, which broke out, which wasn't part of the plan. And three of the folks in the whole room were like, I guess, embracing ecstatic dancing, which was very new to me. And it's easy <laughs> to like stand on the outskirts of that and like judge it, right? Be like, these, <laughs> these individuals look absolutely ridiculous. At the same time, though, I had it brought me so much joy that people could authentically be themselves. And that judgment I had for them at the time, kind of joking, was very much a trigger of my own. I have a hard time physically like moving through like stresses and that kind of stuff. Like I move through funny how that works. Like the things we judge in others are actually the things we judge in ourselves. Yeah. Anytime I find a trigger now, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's, honestly, it's it's a nugget of information. It's like, well, how interesting, right? You get angry about something. Well, how interesting. And uh, yeah, it, it allows you to be kind of curious and explore it. And I've since like nailed down my apprehension towards like, physical dancing and that kind of stuff. I've like secretly have had a, a strong desire or appeal to do it, but I've had my own childhood wounds that have kept me from, or have painted that with a, a trigger one could say. But I share this because I just, those three friends of mine were all genuinely unauthentically like themselves. There's no other, I don't want to say their names, but there's no other ones like them as far as like, mm. they are weird. They are quirky. They are unique. And that to me is the most beautiful thing to be witness to. And again, it inspires me to lean into my own quirkiness, my own weirdness, my own curiosities, my own creativities. So yeah, again, I find myself, especially also at a stage of life where you realize, again, you you pursue a lot of those empty goals earlier in your career or earlier in your life, so to speak. And they simply don't have the same appetite that they they once had. I don't have a desire to be like, mobile and lightly attached. I want to be like deeply rooted and committed. And that's deeply rooted to and committed to like our home, which is our farm or my wife, Candace, or, you know, my friendships. I'm just find myself at that, that stage of life. What's beautiful is, you know, I, 
I had this realization a few years back for myself. You know, I realized that purpose wasn't really found in what I was doing. It was found in who I was becoming mm, yeah. and how I was expressing myself in the world. Like the more, like you said, business is the canvas. So are your relationships. So it's like you're the yeah. common denominator in all of this and the energy that pours through you into all of those things ends up being the legacy. It ends up being the impact. It ends up being the beautiful 60 by 80 foot or foot inches. Or it could be feet, yeah. but it'd be a big yeah. ass painting. But you know, that beautiful painting that people look at and they appreciate it, the uniqueness is it's coming from your heart and soul. And and when we, you know, because I certainly resonate with the idea, like, you know, you kind of get into the game of entrepreneurship beginning with like how do i make it or like how do i become successful and then from there as you begin to taste certain elements of success like all of the shoulds start falling away because you're either unhappy or you're unfulfilled or unaligned or like not in alignment and yeah I, i'm finding that at least for myself this path in life is really about coming back to alignment with everything which starts with me and the more I come into alignment with me and the more I come into an intimacy with myself, that vulnerability, we started this conversation with that. It's like the richer I can actually, the more I can pour into everyone or everything around me. And that's what leaves the impact, the ripple that keeps on rippling. Yeah. And it's so much more of a felt experience. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's an idea that like, we lose ourselves or we lose our freedom at five and we spend the rest of our lives trying to get it back to some degree. Right. Mm. And it's, it's just the natural. And some people end up on their deathbed and, you know, there's a bunch of great books on like the regrets that we have on, or that people have on their deathbed and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm just blessed to, again, see firsthand. Most of my friends are 10, 15 years ahead of me. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's great to see them lean into their own awareness, again, lean into their own kind of areas of creativity. I just love, and it, it doesn't even have to be them. I just love people that do work or invest their energy in things that light them up. It could be anybody. It could be anybody on the street. I have a way deeper appreciation for art now than I've ever had before. Like I see a piece of art, maybe it resonates, but I want to know like what inspired them, what excited them about that piece of art and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I'm grateful that like I'm starting to turn the corner and lead, you know, in the sense of like just... Yeah, having a a beautiful outlook on life and seeing beauty and and things that I I didn't necessarily pay attention to, you know, for the first thirty seven years of my life. Well, what's cool is you know I remembered at at Palmetto Bluff like you, you shared a video of yourself, you know, right before you're about to give one of the most vulnerable, <laughs> you know, presentations. You shared a video of you saying something to your daughter. Yeah. And you shared a video and a lesson that you were giving her in those moments. And I think that's, you know, stuff like that, man, like is what, like it, it actually like, and I'd love to maybe connect to the role that your daughter plays in your own artistic expression versus like the path to like, cause I, I think that like there's something really beautiful about how you're leaning into that mirror to help you face fear to help you like rise as to your greatest soul's expression. Yeah. And so I'd love to maybe if you can share more about like how your daughter's played a role in your own in your own soul's evolution as as a as an expressionist or an artist or somebody who's living a more inspired life. I don't know if, if I embraced this before my daughter was born, but it's definitely been the case where, you know, there's a saying that more is caught uh, then taught, so to speak, as far as like, there's a lot of things you could tell a child, you know, they should embrace courage, they should embrace, you know, being themselves and that kind of stuff. But nothing is more impactful than, than being an example of that firsthand. So to me, creativity and embracing her creativity is by far one of the most, I mean, I think as humans, we're just, we're alive, we're, we're creative, that makes us very different than other you know, beings or mammals or whatever the case may be. And there's so much joy in that. And there's so much self-expression when we live in a society where we have, um, you know, fears around being seen 
and judged and that kind of stuff. If she's able to kind of, and I think, again, because of the fear of judgment, because of different things culturally, or maybe the parenting environment we find ourselves in, we, we cap off that creativity at a young age. And again, I've seen it time and time again, folks who I did not think were at a creative bone in their body and were just very strict on like analytical business stuff. There is, everyone has an outlet. And maybe it's an outlet they had as a child and they're revisiting, or maybe, you know, it's manifested into something different. But for her to embrace creativity is incredibly important. And one of the things I, I got, you know, hung up on early in the parenting journey was like, I was consuming all the articles of like top 20 things to teach your children and all that kind of stuff. And I've come to realize you only need to teach like three or four things. 10,000 ways. It was kind of like that, you know, Bruce Lee mm. quote of, I'm not scared of somebody who can do 10,000 kicks. I'm scared of somebody who can kick, you know, one way, but has practiced 10,000 times. So for me, creativity, embracing her creativity is one of them. Curiosity is, is another. We're always, you know, leaning into that. You're sitting with her emotions is a, is a big mm. one. We did that this morning on our way to school. So identifying like anger and, Anger is actually a beautiful emotion because if you don't have a strong relationship with it, you have a hard time with boundaries, which is my my own personal struggle. But yeah, I then so for her, when I see her lean into creativity, that almost gives me permission to continue to lean into my own because I want to c- continue that cycle. We feed off of each other, so to speak. And again, I don't want to be a parent that says they should do something and does the opposite because we see that, I mean, far too much. Uh, you know, there, we all have this disconnect where, with the, between what we say we value and how we actually behave. And my goal in relationships, my goal in parenting, my goal, you know, in my day to day is try to get those as close as possible. How do you model an example self love to your daughter? The first couple years of being a father was very challenging for me. One of them was it was hard to identify my role in that relationship. I felt that I could be much more engaged as a father when she was old enough to start having conversations and I could talk to her and we could work through things and I could ultimately coach her through life, one could say. I was very ignorant and unaware to the importance of just presence. So I've been consuming a lot of like Gabor Mate's work over the last couple of years. And if I could definitely turn back the hands of time, I would have showed up differently in the first couple of years of um, my relationship with my daughter. Well, listen, I guess first to set the container, self-love has been huge challenge for me. Um, a couple of years ago, and I wasn't aware of it, uh, but a couple of years ago, a friend of mine named Phil McKernan, I went on one of his retreats in Ireland and he made us do this exercise where you had to bring a photo of your 10-year-old self and you were supposed to like stare at this photo. And we all went off in our own little corners and we we did that. And some people broke into tears and they, you know, they said like for the first time ever, like, I feel like I love, you know, that that person in that photo or what have you. And I was staring at this photo forever. And I was just like, why am I not getting it? Everybody else seems to have these magical moments of like loving themselves for the first time and that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at this photo. And to me, it was almost irrelevant if the child in the photo was in the photo or not. Um, like I could almost like see through the child and it didn't actually change the actual context of the photo. So when I saw that, I was like, man, I got some work to do on this self-love <laughs> side of thing, side of things. But I've definitely made some some great strides there personally. And ever since she was a really young and could have conversations, I would always ask her and on some level drill her of what makes you beautiful. Mm. And the appropriate answers, and she embraced it perfectly and beautifully right away. And we would drill this on the way to school and I would ask it randomly. But it was, you know, how she treated other people and how she loves herself. And these kind of things, all things that are tied to behavior and things that she could control. Because I think as a society, we tie obviously beauty to like physical appearance or what have you. So little things like that, and even just the language of loving oneself, that was not part of my language as a child. It wasn't part of it. It was hit me abruptly in my 30s. And I was like, that is such a crazy, silly notion. And it's a much more common in, you know, my lexicon now, but it wasn't, it wasn't back then. So yeah. even just introducing these, I mean, even the drive to school today, like being able to identify emotions and like name emotions, that was never taught to me, right? Like that was just, uh, and it's not a slight of my parents. Like we live in a different time and they did yeah. know what they, they could. They did the, the best they could they for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, these are things I'm, I'm giving her. And I was thinking about it on the drive. I was like, man, whichever 
boy or girl or what have you, she falls in love with later on down the road. I hope they're like half as like emotionally mature as she is at the age of, of 10, because like we've been like sewing this stuff for, for some time. So yeah, the self-love stuff is, I don't know, it's, it's again, a struggle of mine. And there's a handful of ways that I try to bring it up in conversation and instill it in her. But again, at the end of the day, the best thing I can do is, um, is lead by example. And you know, truth matter is I don't do a great job at it in the sense that I still very much struggle putting myself first. And she sees that and she calls it out. So it's good that she has awareness and she calls it out. And when she calls it out, I mean, that breaks my heart, Uh, (laughs) so to speak. So like, that is one of the biggest things I'm trying to get better at is putting myself first. And I've made great strides because it was such a problem or significant chapter of my life of like people pleasing and not having attunement to like my own voice, my own needs. Like it's been a huge area of work for me, but I still have work to do again, especially in the sense of like being able to continue to inspire her to put herself first, to own her voice, to love, you know, herself and that kind of stuff. So, but getting back to vulnerability, I share with my daughter all the time when I'm scared, when I have work to do, like these are conversations we we constantly have. So I, I definitely don't paint to her a picture that I'm perfect by any stretch. She knows I have my faults uh, for sure in areas that I'm working and improving on. Jason, what makes you beautiful? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have... Um, I think we all struggle with the notion of being seen for like our intention. And I know I like my core, my, I have beautiful intention, truly beautiful intention, which makes like that talk I gave at, you know, Palmetto Bluff around some sensitive topics. So challenging because it flies in the face of a lot of cultural, you know, norms and that kind of stuff, trying to stay anchored to like what's going on culturally and like, my intention of of trying to navigate relationships and honoring people as beautifully as I can. So no, I mean, that that's definitely one thing I know without a doubt is I have a beautiful, beautiful intention. And uh, whenever that feels like it's not seen, it's probably one of my deepest wounds that gets exposed. The reason I asked that question is because I think you are exceptionally hard on yourself and exceptionally driven to be the best possible version of yourself that you can be, which is an absolutely beautiful thing. Yeah. And there's so much beauty in it. And I don't want you, I'm not going to let you forget that because, (laughs) you know, it's one of my favorite things about you actually is like you're, you care so deeply and you care, man. Like you care about people, you care about your family, you care about the land. You care about doing your best. You care about, like, you show up for people. There's so many things that are beautiful about you beyond just the heart you have for making, like, the intention, right? Like, and so I know there's a lot of opportunities to see the glass half empty and how we can be better and do better and strive for more. But I really, really, really hope you don't forget that the glass is really half full too. And that you have, you're quite a remarkable human being who really, really, really does inspire me and and inspires a lot of people. So I am, I just felt called to let you know that because I, this whole conversation, you're, you're, you've been so, I just, I I just love you, man. I, I, I just want you to remember that you are fucking awesome. Like, I appreciate you. uh, Well, definitely. And I'm not deflecting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you don't get to. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was, I was jokingly going to say like, you should change the title from this from like, stay grounded to like, on clouds. Because I mean, that that's obviously in the sense that like, I feel very light, you know, hearing that. And I, I definitely appreciate it. And I think, you know, the energy that some of us can have to drive really hard in, let's say, business it's easy to then redirect that energy when it comes to personal work. And you see a lot of that, especially with the use of tools like psychedelics and that kind of stuff, which are incredible tools. But I definitely have a handful of of friends and it's not a negative judgment. It's their own, you know, journey and how they're going about it. But in the words of like Tucker Max, like spiritual journey, uh, uh, spiritual tourist, 
where they're going from like one experience to another to another really quickly because they're approaching a lot of this stuff in a very like hard driven fashion. And I know I can brace that as well of like the work is never done. There's always more work to be done. I had a moment actually using medicines a year ago, two years ago, which was arguably like the scariest moment of my life where, and it was scary for a unique reason. Basically we were, I was leveraging a tool that goes like 14 hours. It takes a long time, but it wasn't like an aggressive tool, but I think it dovetails into what you're bringing voice to. But ultimately we we're, I was doing this experience and I was um, with somebody else who is very, very close to me that was also doing the experience at the same time. And uh, when in the experience, it was very funny or yeah, it was very funny to watch what I did in the space versus what the other person did. The other person like did their own thing, was very free. When I went into this experience, I was like, okay, like, let's get to work, right? We have stuff to work on. And I was working with my therapist and I'm like, we got stuff to to move through. We went through like three hours worth of stuff. And eventually we ran out of things to talk about. And I was like, well, now what? I'm like, is this almost done? He's like, no, we got another like eight hours. And he's like, you can do whatever you want. And then right then and there, I got hit with this silence that scared the crap out of me because I knew my business was taken care of. My family was taken care of. Nobody depended on me for anything. Uh, there was no expectations on me and I couldn't think of any more expectations to put on myself and felt true silence, true being for the first time in my life. I've heard talk people say like, oh, it's not human doing, it's human being. And like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. Like I, I get it. No, I got it like intellectually, emotionally to actually like be, be okay with where you are. And, you know, the, just the notion of like, I have enough, I've done enough, I am enough is terrifying because I just, I thrive on other people's expectations. And if they don't have expectations of me, I fill that pipeline. So the fact that you just verbalize that to me, because I don't see myself as an individual that necessarily aggressively pursues personal growth. And I know that wasn't what you were saying either, but you're also hitting to something that is a huge area of work for me, which is just, again, being okay with kind of where I'm at. Because there is always something on the horizon for me to work on. So I appreciate you seeing that. And I appreciate you bringing voice to that. And hopefully sharing that you realize you were spot on. I think that's the ultimate edge. Like it's actually, I realized for myself, it's a lot easier to go into my stuff and easier to go into the darkness. And it's easier to run in with a sword and just figure things out. It's a lot harder for me to slow down and just sit with the enoughness and yeah. feel the enoughness in my body because that triggers all the fears of me falling into complacency, me falling into like losing who I am, it losing like this, this thing that I love so much about myself, this drive for excellence, like 100%. the scripts that come up when I'm in the beingness is terrifying, uncomfortable. And it's what actually like when I come back to this idea of liberation, that's been the idea that's coming through me recently around like true, true, true liberation is, is the journey of enoughness of self-love. And like that liberation is, is our greatest edge from a spiritual standpoint because of the world being conditioned to do like, we don't really celebrate slowing down. We don't really celebrate reflection and introspection like as a society we're so conditioned to yeah output even our gdp everything is conditioned to create more value so the enoughness is such a scary edge because it it goes against everything we've ever or at least as a society deemed as important and so the the courage to be in the enoughness i think is I think it deserves the celebration, the spotlight. And so I, I just want to honor you for having that experience and going into that because I, I do believe at least from, it's been the scariest thing for me. You know, just to, I guess to put a bow on that part of the conversation, I mean, I, uh, I've i never been so scared. And then I also was anchored to like, oh, this is what I need in my life and trying to cultivate more moments to bring me back to as close to that feeling as possible. Because even the notion of meditation for me was doing, 
like all the different modalities to achieve silence, they were all acts like there was, there was all like, okay, I'm going to do meditation or, or what have you, man. In that moment, I mean, it'll be anchored. It's been imprinted on my soul forever. And I will forever be chasing more moments of, of being and peace. Well, I think that's, you know, when I think about mental health in the world today, like, I think that's what's missing. It's like, if we can just access our enoughness, we're giving ourselves the most potent cure medicine, like of all, right? Like, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of walls and layers to getting there, Yeah, which is the work, which is what all the tools and the, the all the modalities, whatever your path to that is like, yeah. there's paths, but that medicine is the thing I think that truly heals our our own fight or flight responses, our stress. Everything melts away when we can allow ourselves to create those moments of enoughness and just let ourselves experience it. Not because of we earned it after yeah. a long stretch of work or it's like your birthright. You wake up, you can access your enoughness. And it's so counterintuitive, but I, the more I've been leaning into my own journey, that's what I've been really coming back to is like, I don't have to do anything to feel like I'm enough. I yeah. get to actually do that because I get to do that. And it's like brushing my teeth. <laughs> like yeah. I can do that without it. And it takes the, con- the releasing of the conditions to get there. And yeah. Um, and it, and me just listen, North America is an interesting environment to live in culturally when it comes to to this stuff i mean other cultures are much more in tune the you know with the not the need to acquire more and you know status and all that kind of stuff so just yeah i mean to let go of that quote-unquote programming and to fight against it when it when you feel that kind of come up within you is uh yeah something i hope to um hope to get better at because honestly like one of the things i yearn for most i keep i was keep thinking about it for some crazy reason. Like I have this notion of like, there's certain friends of mine that like, I'm excited to grow old with like visually, like thinking of like how I'm going to be when I'm 60, 70 and them at the same time. But I just picture, and even with my wife, like sitting down, you know, looking at a sunset, not saying a word, not needing to say a word, just like being there in the moment, in the presence and being in somebody else's presence in that way. To me, I don't know. That's seems what life is all about. So um, we'll see. We're on the journey. You're just awesome, man. I knew that I was going to... I just had this feeling like that I've been... Cra- I told you this earlier, but I've been craving some just deep <laughs> one-on-one time with you just to kind of play in our hearts and just be and get to know each other better. And I, I'm really grateful that this conversation went where it did because <laughs> I didn't have that planned for sure. <laughs> And I think that's what, and this is, I guess, an ode to that idea around the vulnerability. I think when we can actually allow ourselves to be seen in our journeys, it really does um, inspire more than, than anything I can accomplish or anything I can do or anything. Like it's like shining the light on this, these aspects of ourselves or I think what uh, bring us all together. And I just love you, man. I'm so grateful that you exist as a human. And I'm so grateful that I get to experience you being you and on your own quirky, messy, artistic expression of you. Yeah, it's just, it's such a a privilege to to call you a friend and a brother. So thank you for being as you are. It's funny that like we've known of each other for many, many years and I've always, I'm pretty good at, reading people in the sense that like the first mini interaction I had with you, I'm like, this guy is something special. And I look forward to one day being able to like cultivate more of a relationship. And obviously it wasn't up until relatively recently, we've been able to kind of lean into that relationship. But for me, it feels like I've I've known you forever and will have you forever in my life. And I'm very, very excited about it. So for sure, brother. Well, I have a closing question for you. Oh, I'm sure it's and an easy one. <laughs> it's, it's in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Yeah, it's definitely, I never had a strong connection to home as a child or like 
my family or what have you. And I didn't understand its importance and how much I would cherish it. So we have a home now. We have a farm with farm animals and and that kind of stuff. And um, I mean, that is our forever home. I'm not looking to... I have a bunch of amazing friends moving to different nooks and crannies of the world. And years ago, I would feel drawn to move to those places as well. And oddly enough, we don't have any friends where we live, so to speak. So when we have to see friends, we have to you know fly places or what have you. But I truly do have a sense of home now. And mm. it's something that is deeply anchoring, especially with like being connected to the earth because we we have you know vegetable gardens and and that kind of stuff and there's just something beautiful and nurturing about that and grounding my daughter walks you know barefoot everywhere around the farm and then um being the steward of animals is actually mm-hmm. far more i never i grew up with animals but never felt a connection to them by any stretch the, what the farm has given me is just this and also you know having a family is this huge like protective side of me, which I've always had, but it's something that is like elevated to a new level as far as the sense of like protection for my wife and daughter, and then even protection for our animals and that connection to our animals. So yeah, I feel very connected to to home. And I never thought I'd say those words because, you know, I what got me into entrepreneurship on some level was like the four hour work week. And it's not a slight at the four hour work week. I had some beautiful experiences as a me result too. of of traveling yeah. and and that kind of stuff. But just at this stage of my life, again, feeling rooted and deeply committed is is something that's a through line throughout my life. And uh, I have that with where we live now. Well, even, I mean, just to kind of echo that, that's like a part of the masculine archetype, I think. Like mm-hmm. from like, if you look at like ancient text history, like come back to, I don't know if you've read King Warrior Magician Lover. Have you read that book? No, it was given to me. And I haven't read it. So now you're the second person saying, I'm assuming it's a great book. It's a fantastic book on, I think all men who are committed to a spiritual growth path yeah. can find utility in that book. It Essentially, it's a book that draws from Carl Jung's different archetypes of masculine, like the masculine archetypes in history. So like everything yeah. from religion to books, like he finds these like common archetypes that show up and then he has like the light side and the shadow side of those archetypes. And one of the light sides of the warrior is the protector, the like the protector of love, the protector of like, so that's what drives like the masculine, that archetypal nature. And so it's really cool to even hear like on your path, like as you've evolved into who you are today, like that's, that's what's naturally coming through you is this protector archetype and it. It's beautiful. In fact, like, and you couldn't have gotten there any faster or sooner. Like it's actually like really beautiful. And I think that's what fatherhood does for a lot of men. Like it's like the first kind of like rite of passage into that protector archetype. Yeah. So it's really cool to hear you say that. Cause I'm not a dad. I aspire to be one day. I don't have land. I live, you know, in downtown San Diego, high rise, yeah. like, you know, the farthest from the land. I'm saying right yeah, now, I'm actually yeah. like 24 floors above the land. But I know that there's a, a future in my own life where there's going to be more of that grounded, you know, connected to the earth lifestyle that I'm already, in fact, that's what I'm going to be doing in Costa Rica. So it's like, that's, it's coming. I know it's coming. So I, I see myself in you is what I'm in a long-winded way trying to say. No, I love it. I love it. And I definitely, you know, I, I oh, there's part of me that sometimes hesitates to share like how great I feel being able to like live on the land and have animals and that kind of stuff. Cause I don't want it to be come across as like a judgment of those that like do live in like, you know, high rises and that kind of stuff by any stretch. But just, yeah, at this stage of my life and given my life experiences that have shaped me, this is where I need to be. And uh, I do need to, um, I want to read that book. Because the thing is, is that like, I know I'm starting to embrace more the idea of like the shadow side of, you know, personality and, and ways of being. And I never used to embrace that before. I used to like, obviously have shame around it and push them away and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm excited to read that book. So I appreciate you putting it back on my radar. Yeah, it's a useful, I mean, it's, it's drawing from mythology. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's like very broad. It's not like yeah. it's targeted and precision sure, sure, by sure. any means of the stretch. But it does paint a useful kind of roadmap for myself, even like 
which aspects of myself am I calling in right now and mm-hmm. and how can I show up as the best version? So yeah, I think you'll like it. Let me know. I'm super stoked. But bro, I just love you and I'm so grateful for this time together and thank you for being. And um, yeah, it's just, this is it's just so much fun. I, <laughs> it's so much fun. I appreciate you, buddy. I mean, this was not like any other conversation I've had in the context of a podcast by any stretch. <laughs> and it was not only incredibly beautiful as a result and everything you shared, you know, landed. So thank you for that gift. And uh, yeah, huge fan of yours, man. Keep sharing that light with the world. Because like I said, in our brief interaction many years ago, you left a, you left a mark and I've met many, many people on my journey thus far. And uh, I knew right away you were, you were something special and you're just continuing to evolve into just truly a beacon for so many so so thank you thank you bro love you everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your new friend jason from us stay grounded we'll chat soon Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.